Finley's Thoughts is being brought to you today via Anchor.fm. Now, if you've never heard of it, it's a really cool website. It allows you to create your own podcast, upload segments if you want to do that. You can take phone calls, get messages from people while you're doing your show. You can put your show together, edit it like I've done here on this episode, and ultimately get it out there to the major avenues, your iTunes, your Stitcher, all those other things, and all for free. It's really cool. I can't recommend it enough. It's the way I'm getting to bring you Finley's Thoughts. So, Anchor.fm. Folks, look it up. It's awesome. It is a quiet Tuesday morning, April 24th, 2018. Hello, everybody. This is Finley, and you are listening to Episode 8 of Finley's Thoughts. And I wanted to start this episode with a little bit of an update. My last episode was about my job a little bit, and I told you that I was uh, going in for an interview. Well, I had it today, and I say today. Today for me is a bit relative. It was Monday morning. Uh, This is being recorded Tuesday morning, but I started work Monday night. So I had the interview Monday. We'll just make it that simple. And it went about as well as I think it could have. Um, they asked me a bunch of questions that I had actually prepared quite well for, it turned out. I had written out a lot of things uh, before the interview to kind of get my mindset ready. A friend of mine who is a manager at my company recommended that I come up with my scenarios that they would ask about because my company uses the tell-me-about-a-time format for interviewing a lot. You know, tell me about a time when you had to do this or you had to do this. And while I didn't know the questions, I knew the format of the questions and I kind of knew where they would go. And so I actually had a note page uh, from a notepad full of scenarios that had happened to me over the course of my career, which did serve two things. Number one, it allowed me to recall examples that when they did ask me a question that was kind of tangential to the scenarios I had written about, I'd be able to answer them. And the second thing that this did, it calmed me down tremendously. The uh, last time that I had gone in for an interview for a position like this, I blanked on the first question. And it took me literally about 45 seconds to start saying, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm wasting your time. And as I was about to say that, an answer finally came to me. And I was so nervous the rest of the interview, I know I bombed it. And so doing this put my mind at ease. That was very key. They asked me a couple of other questions, uh, one of which I knew was coming even though I didn't know for sure, I knew it was coming. And that is a question that I recommend everybody consider when it comes to their job. And the question was, what do you think that your brand is on the floor? It's a perception question. How do you think people see you? And I answered as honestly as I could. And I'll tell you the answer that I gave them because it ties into a question I gave afterwards. 
the answer that I gave them is I feel like people think that I'm a hard worker, that I get the job done, that I look for consensus, sometimes too much, and that I will still make the decision when the time comes for it, that I can be relied upon to get things done. And I felt that that was a good answer. And I think it did work in my favor because I had an honest assessment of how I look at things or more importantly, how people see me. Later in the interview, it was my turn to ask some questions. And I kind of tied my questions back into that. The first question I asked was, uh, what, you know, in your experience is a positive and a challenge to being in that role? And they gave me their answers. The next question I asked was, if I get this position, what do you feel will be the biggest challenge I will have to deal with? And in speaking with a manager tonight about that, he said that was a very good question to ask. And I feel it was as well, because it allowed for some of that feedback from people who have done the job now for a while. One of these people has been a manager for almost a year. The other two have been enrolled for two to three years. One of them just became my boss. And so I was asking for honest feedback on whether or not they felt I had a significant enough challenge to prevent me from getting the role without actually saying, am I going to get this job? Their answers to me were enlightening. They weren't anything I didn't know, mind you. I knew the challenges that I have in my career. I'm not a particularly innovative person when it comes to developing um, <clears throat> ways to uh, innovate. And that sounds stupid. I'm not innovative when it comes to innovation. But in other words, I'm not the person who's going to immediately think of having a type of competition that is going to appeal to um, younger people because I'm not young. Folks, it may surprise you, but these dulcet tones coming from a person that's almost 40. I'll be 40 in September. I know I've mentioned that on this before, but that means I don't necessarily have the connection to the younger generation of people that work at my company, some of which I would be overseeing. So that's a challenge for me. But it's a challenge I look forward to trying to um, resolve. The other thing that they told me that would be a challenge for me is that I've maybe been in my role a little too long, and because of this, I don't quite have the passion, or the, uh, that's not quite the way to put it, the, the rah-rah spirit of pushing initiatives for my company. And I couldn't argue that. Bear in mind, I've been with my company for about 17 years, almost, almost 17 years. And I've been in my role for over 11 years. That is a very, very long time to be doing the same thing. So when you've been in your job and been in your position longer than the cast of friends did their job, 
it kind of reduces your cheerleader spirit. But the cool thing is they recognized, I think it's more because you've been in that position for so long. The last question I asked them was, what do you feel is a positive that I bring to the table that will help me as a manager? One person said, your experience is a huge asset. You basically know everything. You are able to answer any questions, and if you get a bunch of new people to work with you, that's going to be a huge benefit. And that was flattering. One person said, I've been in my role for so long and, and been with this company for so long that I have dealt with more personalities and more people than she could ever have worked with. And that knowing that and having dealt with those many people has allowed me to see almost every kind of person you'll run into and thus be able to manage them effectively because I've already dealt with that before and I've already coached them and I've already dealt with those sorts of things. That was flattering. The most flattering thing came from the third person who said I'm empathetic and that I'm able to understand even the most difficult of people because you're going to have people that don't like you. They don't like anybody in that role. And you still need to be able to reach them. And that I've demonstrated the ability to do that. Now, I know I'm telling you a lot about this interview and about my life, essentially, at this point. I don't really do that very often. I tell you all of this because empathy is key. Empathy is a big thing. The ability to understand other people, understand where they come from, is something that I have worked very hard to nurture. I feel it's important for us to be able to actually get along with people in our daily lives. And the next story I'm going to talk about after this, in our next segment, is one where I see a failure of empathy. But we'll come right back to that after this message. Well, I say message after this beep. I come back to you with the story that developed last week. Early last week, former First Lady Barbara Bush died. She was 91 or 92. And she passed away after illness. Now, whether or not you agreed with her politics, whether or not you found her to be a good first lady or not, whether or not you were a fan of her husband or her son or not, I know a lot of people were not. This is a person who passed away, surrounded by her family. They were dealing with a very difficult time. And... This is a person who, at the very least, you, if you're a normal person, should have some level of base empathy for the family for what they're going through. She was married to her husband for over 70 years. And at the time of this recording, he's in a hospital after the funeral. She was a mother, a grandmother, a great-grandmother. And from what 
all accounts show she had a wonderful sense of humor, a feisty wit, a very quick wit, not afraid to bust the chops of her kids or her husband. And while she has said some things in her older age that are regretful, by all accounts, she seemed to be a pretty good person. We as human beings should strive to present more empathy to others. This is one of the reasons why my political affiliation has changed, but more importantly, my philosophy on people has changed over the years. I'm a big believer in empathy. You've got to be able to understand other people. You don't have to agree with them. I goodness knows, don't agree with a whole lot of things out there on multiple sides of the aisle when it comes to political beliefs. And I don't agree with everything my friends believe in. But I understand them. I do not share the same understanding, unfortunately, with a professor out of Fresno State, Rhonda Girard. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Professor Girard wrote on Twitter, Barbara Bush was a generous and smart and amazing racist who, along with her husband, raised a war criminal. I'm happy the witch is dead. Can't wait for the rest of her family to fall to their demise the way 1.5 million Iraqis have. Bye. After she wrote this, she spent hours on Twitter clapping back at the people who came after her and who uh, were not too thrilled with what she said, calling all of them racists, which I'm sure there were some pretty nasty things thrown her way. She said her, uh, the comments that she'd said were what it's like to be an Arab-American Muslim-American woman with some clout online expressing an opinion. Okay. I understand that. And I understand that Professor Girard, uh, her background provides her a perspective that, I'm not, that I don't necessarily share. Now, Fresno State came out kind of distancing themselves from what she said. She uh, has since, you know, gone to public events and been cheered in some cases. But my attitude's a little different. Now, I'm not going to critique her feelings about Bush. She can like or dislike the former first lady as much as she wishes. Excuse me. And I'm not going to sit here and um, praise Barbara Bush by any means. I, I feel that, you know, she was, just as many of us are, an imperfect person, but probably trying to do what's best for herself, her family, and the people around her. I will, however, talk to one issue. Tact and empathy. Tact and empathy are very important things, and they often go hand in hand. There's talk about the idea of speaking ill of the dead. And certainly time and history will speak to Barbara Bush's legacy. 
But in a situation like this, the body wasn't even cold. The burial hadn't even happened. We're not talking about a situation where she was a dictator or um, a person who was responsible for the deaths of millions. Whether or not you agree with, like I said, her politics or her husband or son's politics or, for that matter, just her philosophy in general. This is a person whose family literally had only been grieving for hours by the time she posted this. Professor Gerard, I, I will never discount your right to say what you did. And obviously, this will never get to her. But I'm going to say it anyway. You absolutely have the right to say what you did. And you have the right to your opinion. Let the body be in the ground first before you go after this. Have some basic understanding of a little bit of decency here. Michelle Obama, um, a couple of years ago, talked about the idea of when they go low, you go high. I like that. When somebody swings low, you stay above it. Because people are going to swing low. Social media has borne that out countless number of times. People will go for the jugular because maybe they're trying to get social media hits on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Maybe they're trying to make a name for themselves. Or maybe they lack that basic human understanding of empathy. Maybe they haven't developed it yet. Professor Girard, you're old enough. You should have had the ability to develop empathy. And it's a shame that you can't demonstrate it here. It took me a while as an adult to really develop it fully. And when I did, I'll never forget the incident, in fact. When I realized I needed to be more empathetic, it hit me kind of like a ton of bricks. But it hit me nonetheless. And so I'm going to offer the same thing to you that I learned after this. Thank you for listening to Finley's Thoughts. We'll be right back. About 10 years ago, I was writing for another website. That site's long since been um, dismantled. But I remember to this day an incident that helped me learn the importance of empathy. There was a celebrity couple, Eric Dane and Rebecca Gayhart, and they had some pictures leak out where um, they were doing some things they shouldn't have been doing. I believe there may have been some drug use, uh, some other things along those lines, and I mocked him for it, mercilessly. 
And then I submitted this to a website for wider dispersal so I could get views. It was denied rather quickly actually and they said that it had no um, benefit and more importantly it went against the ideals that they had and I looked at that rejection and it kinda hit me like a ton of bricks and so I deleted my original post and I wrote a new one and in that one I wrote a bit of a mea culpa and an apology I said you know what I was mean I was being mean about this and I wasn't putting myself in their shoes that stuck with me it stuck with me for a very long time to this day in fact and ever since then as I've gotten older I have worked very hard to continue to develop my empathy and although I don't change all of my opinions on topics of the day based on it it has influenced him I am able to put myself in other people's shoes a lot easier now especially as I've gotten older and have gained more experience and so looking back on that I'm actually thankful for the experience of what happened to me and I felt bad at first about well I kinda got busted for this but as I've gotten older I felt bad for those two as well the people that I wrote about they weren't expecting stuff like this to just get put out there in the open goodness knows they didn't you know put this out there themselves now this is not the same as me critiquing Professor Gerard as I did in the second segment and the reason why is because she absolutely put it out there for judgment and to troll trolling is the absolute opposite of presenting empathy in my opinion because you are very clearly at that point showing you have no ability to fully understand what the other person is going through all you're doing is making fun of them I'm not a fan of trolling at all I don't believe in trolling in general and that's why I don't like what Professor Gerard put out there in that moment she was not being an adult she was not being a professor she was not demonstrating an ability to rise above she was being a troll and that's behavior that I don't particularly like from anybody of any age um, we make fun of the 13 year old kids who get online and troll and, and do despicable things because they don't know any better and at 13 you're still developing your social parts of your brain uh, they say I believe right now that the brain isn't fully developed until around 26 or 27 and I believe that it took me until then to really kind of become an adult and do the adulting thing it's an issue that I see with people in my life younger people 
I'm old enough now. I can call them younger people. Get off my lawn. <laughs> um, that lack of ability to truly put yourself in someone else's shoes so that you can understand them. <clears throat> and I hope for those people that they are able to do that. It's the same reason my wife tells my nieces who are in their teens, hey, don't make fun of your aunt from Wisconsin's accent because you will see the same thing once you leave your home state. And they don't believe that in their minds they don't have an accent. They don't know what it's like to be around other people. And she tells them, you're going to meet somebody in college. You're going to meet them and you're going to want to go out of state with them to go meet their family and they're going to hear your accent and they will critique it. That's empathy. And teenagers still need to learn it. Now, I wish them the best on it, of course. I wish that they learn it and that they are truly able to experience it and use it. I know I work very hard to demonstrate empathy on a regular basis. I fail sometimes. We all do. None of us are perfect. And it's that failure to show the ability to understand someone else that I feel maybe our biggest challenge as a species. I feel like a lack of empathy is the root of so many evils, be it racism, prejudice, um, violence against others. If you can't understand where someone else comes from, you see them as less than you. Well, clearly you're not the same as me. I'm better than you. That's what happens when you can't put yourself in someone else's shoes. You feel that you're better than them. And that's a challenge for us as a species. For me, the challenge is to maintain that. Like I said, I won't always agree with you. I won't always be able to rationalize necessarily, but I will always do my best to try to understand you. Now, are there certain people that are beyond understanding? Yes. Yes, I do feel that is the case. Your mass murderers, your psychopaths, people along those lines. Some people are agents of chaos, and there is no understanding them. Or they are so entrenched in keeping their power or demonstrating their power that it's very difficult at all to rationalize what they do or to understand what they do but for the most part for the most of us there is some ability to do that and so my last words on this episode episode 8 is if I've learned anything it's to try to understand other people it's benefited me quite a bit over the last 10 years and it'll certainly make it a lot easier for you to get through this life people don't like trolls they like people that can work with them and that can understand them 
That's the goal. And that's all I've got for you this episode. Uh, we will have more this week. I'll do another one. Until then, I want to thank you. Uh, as always, you can reach back to me at finleysthoughts at gmail.com, F-I-N-L-E-Y-S thoughts at gmail.com. You can also reach me via Twitter at F-N-L-I-I-I. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, all the uh, podcatchers out there. So I hope you come back to us. I hope you listen to us again in the future. And until then, thank you very much, folks. I'm out.